Good morning, church. Today's scripture reading comes from Acts 2, verses 1 through 21, and verses 37 through 41. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound the multitude came together, and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all of these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongue the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others mocking said, They were filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire, vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, that great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. He was known as Mr. Dynamite, soul brother number one, the godfather of soul, and the hardest working man in show business. James Brown was one of the most important and prolific musical artists in the 20th century, leaving an indelible mark on the music industry. But what most people don't know is that James Brown had a partner throughout his whole career, a man that many fail to notice or recognize but who nevertheless played a crucial role in James Brown becoming a musical icon. That man was Danny Ray, the original hype man for James Brown. Danny Ray was the master of ceremony who prepared the crowd for James Brown at every concert. He managed the backstage for James Brown and directed the huge entourage that traveled with James Brown. He made sure that the backup singers were on time, with their shoes polished and their pompadours coiffed, and he even tended to the minute details of the band's tailoring. But the signature contribution that Danny Ray made to the career of James Brown 
was a performance routine in every show when James Brown would drop to his knees in passionate performance, and then Danny Ray would appear with a cape that he would lay over the shoulders of James Brown. And then Danny Ray would help James Brown to his feet and begin to walk him off the stage, only to send James Brown roaring back for the encore that would cause the crowd to explode with excitement. Danny Ray performed this routine thousands of times, playing an important part of solidifying the reputation of James Brown. And over all the years, Danny Ray turned people's attention, not to himself, but to James Brown. Christians recognize and worship Jesus Christ as the most important figure in the history of the world. He's more than a good moral teacher and more than a positive example of love. According to the testimony of the church and the scriptures, he is God in the flesh, come down from heaven to rescue the world from sin, death, and the devil. But what many people don't know is that Jesus Christ had a partner throughout his career, one that many failed to notice or recognize, but who nevertheless plays a crucial role in Jesus becoming our Savior and King. The Holy Spirit was the original hype man for Jesus Christ. Since the early days of the church, the Holy Spirit has been the master of ceremony who prepares the church for faithful service to Christ. The Holy Spirit manages the backstage, as it were, working in the hearts of God's people and directing the entourage that participates in the renewal of all things with Jesus Christ. Over all the years, the Holy Spirit has turned people's attention not to himself, but to Jesus Christ. And if we're going to follow Jesus and continue his work in the world, then we must receive, understand, and deeply value the gift of the Holy Spirit and his ministry among us. So for the next few weeks, we're going to work through a series on the Holy Spirit. And today we begin with the sending of the Spirit at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. And the primary consideration that I want to drive today is this. The Holy Spirit is sent so that the church can represent. The Holy Spirit is sent so that the church can represent. In Acts chapter 2, verse 1, the scene is set by telling us that everything that happens in this passage takes place when the day of Pentecost arrived, if you take a look at the text. And there's a rich background to Pentecost. This was Israel's yearly celebration that always took place 50 days after Passover, hence the language Pentecost. And during Pentecost, Israel would take the first fruits of their grain harvest and they would bring it before the Lord as an offering. And in so doing, they were essentially saying, we believe, we trust that this is just the beginning of the greater harvest that the Lord will do. There's going to be a much greater harvest to come. It was a celebration of faith in what the Lord would do. In addition, Israel made an association at Pentecost with the giving of the law. If you remember, 
Israel was enslaved in Egypt. God sent a deliverer. They celebrated Passover, and then they walked through the Red Sea into freedom. Then what happened? Moses ascended Mount Sinai and came back down with the law. The law would, that would govern and guide God's new community. And that's what this language association is all about in Acts chapter 2. Notice what's happening here. Jesus has just risen from the dead. He presents himself alive to the apostles. Then he ascends into heaven. But look at what happens. Instead of bringing down the law to govern and guide God's new community, he sends the Holy Spirit, his spirit, to govern and transform the life of his new community. And when he sends his spirit to transform his new community, we see the beginnings of the harvest that is to come. We see here that the Holy Spirit is sent so that the church can represent. They start with 120 people praying in a room, and on that very day, 3,000 people come to faith through the transforming power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus told the disciples that they were going to receive power to be his witnesses, and here we see that promise being kept. And what we need to understand is that the Holy Spirit is sent so that the church can represent but represent who? Represent how? To answer this, we need to make the very important connection that Luke gives us in his gospel and in the book of Acts, and it's this. Luke portrays Jesus as a man of the Spirit. His physical body was conceived by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit descended like a dove and rested on him at his baptism. Luke tells us that Jesus was full of the Spirit and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. And after he defeated the temptation of Satan, Luke tells us that Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. Luke tells us that in Jesus' first sermon, he stands in the synagogue and says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. You see, Jesus Christ was above all a man of the Spirit, and his ministry was a partnership with the Spirit when he healed the sick, when he exercised demons, when he showed mercy, when he cleansed lepers, when he resisted temptation, when he prayed to the Father, when he worshiped God, when he befriended sinners, when he sacrificed his life, and when he rose from the dead, Jesus was a man of the Spirit. And by the power of the Spirit, Jesus was everything that a human being was always meant to be. This is the work of the Spirit. This is biblical spirituality, and Jesus is at the center. This is what we see unfolding before us in Acts chapter 2. This is where we get a sense of what the sending of the Spirit means and how life-changing the arrival of the Spirit is for the church. 
You see, the Spirit is committed to animating us with the very life of Jesus. The Holy Spirit is sent so that the church can represent. Represent who? Jesus Christ. Represent how? By embodying the Word of Christ in our life together. By embodying the goodness of Christ in our shared service. By embodying the manifold excellencies of Christ in our loving care, in our work, in our play, in our neighborhoods, and at our tables. The same Spirit who carried Jesus along and empowered Him is present with every believer, is present with you. And the Bible teaches us that when the Holy Spirit comes, He brings the virtues and excellencies of Jesus and floods our lives with His fullness. The Spirit imparts to us that same security in the Father's love that Jesus had. The Spirit gives us the same people-loving purpose, the same boldness and freedom from the opinions of others, the same heart of mercy and compassion, the same overflowing joy and communion with God and one another. The Holy Spirit is sent so that the church can represent. And there's a major connection here. you got to get this. The coming of the Spirit was as important as the coming of Jesus. I'm going to say that again. The coming of the Spirit was as important as the coming of Jesus. Because as one old school theologian put it, without the ministry of the Spirit, the riches of Christ are worthless and of no value to us. This is how Jesus could say that it was better if he went away so that the Spirit could come. And I know somebody out there can testify that life in the Spirit is better, richer, and fuller than anything available apart from him. All throughout the life and ministry of Jesus, it's as if the Spirit was saying, I cannot wait to reproduce all of the fullness of Jesus in the lives of my people. I can't wait to see them serve like the Son of God serves. I can't wait to see them love like He loves and take up the work of mission like Jesus took up that work. The Spirit has come to shine the spotlight on Jesus, to clone the heart of Jesus in every believer. Listen, the Spirit's ministry is to overwhelm you with the beauty of Jesus, all that he is in his person and work. The Spirit wants you to love Jesus like he loves Jesus. And when you are overwhelmed with the beauty of Jesus, when you love Jesus like the Spirit loves Jesus, you are embodying the life of the world to come and bearing witness, not just to a vague, generalized religious sentiment, but to a faith, a hope, and a love that is distinctly shaped by the resurrection. The Holy Spirit is sent so that the church can represent Jesus. On Christmas Day in 2006, James Brown died. And at his funeral, as his body was lying in repose, his lifelong hype man, Danny Ray, introduced his old partner the only way he knew how. He said to those gathered, ladies and gentlemen, 
Are you ready for star time? Then he draped that cape over James Brown's open coffin for the last time. It was the end of an era. There would be no encore in this life for James Brown. But on Easter morning, as the body of Jesus was lying in repose, it was as if his hype man, the Holy Spirit, introduced his old partner to the world saying, ladies and gentlemen, are you ready for star time? Because on that morning, the Spirit raised his partner from the grave. It was the end of the old era and the beginning of the new era. And now we are living in the time of the resurrection encore, not just as observers, but as participants in this resurrection life sustained by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is sent so that the church can represent. May we welcome and treasure the Spirit's divine presence in our lives so that we can faithfully represent Jesus in his fullness. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for sending your Spirit, for pouring out your Spirit, for such a wonderful gift. You are the generous gift-giving God. You gave your Son, you gave your Spirit so that we could live in the fullness of resurrection life. And Lord, we do pray that you would help us to realize the treasure that has been given to us in his presence with us. We pray that you would help us to have softness of heart. We pray that you would help us to turn our, our hearts to him in, in, in faith, in hope, in love, we pray that you would soften us, that you would drive us, that you would encourage us, that you would transform us. We pray that you would refashion our lives, Holy Spirit, so that we more and more reflect the beauty and the glory and the dignity and the honor and the love and the service and the goodness of Jesus to our neighbors. Fill us, Lord. And bless our time over these next few weeks as we consider the third person of the Holy Trinity. May we turn our hearts in worship and obedience and faith. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.